Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in Lions podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V. I am joined, as always, by the all-pro safety for the Detroit Lions. You know if he were at these joint practices with the New York Giants, he would be putting it on. It's Glover Quinn. What's up, man? Last time we had practices with the New York Giants, um, that was my last year there. Uh, Matt Patricia was the coach. I actually picked up Eli a couple times. Ooh. Not bad, not bad. During scrimmages. I mean, I I don't want to say it was easy work, but. Eli made your life a little easy. Yeah, I got a couple couple on Eli, so. Yeah, you picked off Eli in uh, the regular season too, didn't you? Yeah, twice. (laughs) Couple times in practice, couple times in the regular season, just the way Glover does it. How was it practicing against the Giants other than making Eli Manning's life hell? I mean. They were a different team then. They they their vibe was different. You know, they had uh Saquon Barkley was a rookie. Um and he actually had like a little hamstring or something. So I don't even think he practiced the first day, maybe he practiced the second day. Um they had Odell Beckham, um Sterling Shepard, you know, those guys. But I mean I remember, you know, Matt Patricia went off on Darius Slay because he thought that he was, I don't know, praising or giving too much credit to Odell Beckham being a fan and all this stuff. So he went off on Slay in the meeting. But outside of that, I don't remember much other than just being normal practices. You know, he practicing and. They didn't, I don't remember them doing anything to really hurt us. Um, And I don't even remember how the preseason game went that year against those guys. But I remember us kind of dominating a little bit in practice. Like I said, I think Oda had a couple catches one day. And then, like I said, we had the scrimmage. Well, you know, you always end practice with, you know, team. So it's some type of situation, two minute red zone, you know, some type of situation. And so I think it was two minute drill and they tried to throw a crossing route. I think, and I, uh, I got Eli kind of like I got Drew Brees and just on the other side, just flipped the other way, just coming that way. But I got the same coverage. Got Return it. it for a sixth? No, nah, I just fell down. Game's over. Game's it, over. <laughs> I guess in two minute in practice, it also ends the game as well. Yeah, game's <laughs> over. I'm not running any extra. Game's <laughs> over. Bet Online is your number one source for your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. 
Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Had to show off the hands, had to pick off Eli Manning, had to dominate the Giants, just all in a day's worth. Am I work? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. But I got I got my respect for Eli. He's actually one of my he's actually one of my favorite quarterbacks. I, I like, you know, I liked how he I liked how he didn't really care, it feels like, about what people had to say about him. And I liked how he always gave his wide receivers a chance. And so knowing that from watching him in Super Bowls, regular season games, I knew Eli is going to throw the ball to his receivers. He's going to give them a chance. You look at throws he made to, you know, David Tyree. Mario Manningham on the sideline. Some of the throws he's made to, you know, Odell and Plexico and all those guys, you know, Eli is going to give his guys a chance. And if his receivers make a play, great. If they don't make a play, it is what it is. But he's going to give them a chance. So as a defender, you know that going into the game, that, hey, you're going to have opportunity to make plays because Eli is going to, he's going to put it up there. Victor Cruz, all those guys. So I respected him for that because I I think that helped him win two Super Bowls um, by putting the ball up there and giving this guy's chance, and they made the plays both times. Um, but fortunately, I was able to make a couple of plays on him in regular season games because of that. So, but I respect Eli. Well, and it's almost more moving, more powerful, more impactful when you make a play on someone that you respect. At least I'm imagining. I've never picked off Eli Manning, so I can't comment. But that's how I imagine it would go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I respect a lot of those guys. And, you know, those guys are good. Those guys are good. And, you know, it's hard for me to, to not be that way. Like, I saw a clip on, uh, and I don't really like getting into all this stuff because I'm not a player anymore, not a current player. I've did my time. So I just kind of chill a little bit. I don't. I try not to really even get involved with a lot of the new school and the younger guys. And But I saw a clip on uh, Instagram the other day, and I'm sure it was on the top 100, of Zaire Alexander. And it's just hard for me to get with guys and understand guys that like that that's, that talks that way. I mean, the, the, the interviewer asked him, you know, who is he considered tough in the NFL to cover as a wide receiver? And he's like, you know, I really don't consider anybody tough, you know, because if somebody catch a pass on me, it's probably something that I did. And it's like, Come on, man. You playing in the NFL. You can't sit here and tell me that nobody that you guard is tough. And for you to say it's probably something that you did, yeah, it's probably something that they did to make you do what you did, right? Oh, I opened my hips up too early. Yeah, because they pushed you and you felt their speed, so it made you open up your hips. That's the receiver doing it. It's not, 
not like you just oh I missed I missed the jam. It's the reason why you missed the jam. The receiver calls you to miss the jam. Right? So when guys say, and then it'll be like, you know, they ask him a question about a, like another defensive back or another corner. And he's like, man, you know, I watch a lot of film on number 23 for the Green Bay Packers. And it's like, all right, bro. All right, bro. Lucky for me, I didn't have to play with Zaire. <laughs> good, good, good player. Good player. I'm not saying I take anything away from. Him. I just don't like that mentality. Like I feel like there's no way that you feel like nobody is is tough. I feel like those are lies that you tell yourself to make it it's- feel like you're confident. That's it. It's it's just such a Green Bay Packers type of attitude to have. Just I'm the best, we're the best, no one else matters, no one else is even worth mentioning. It's like how Aaron Rodgers, that team, we don't lose to that team. It's like, but you do. You do get beat by Justin Jefferson every once in a while. You do get cooked by some wide receivers, and that's okay because these are all pro-level talents. Just be honest with yourself. Right, and when I was in Detroit, we used to whoop Green Bay every year. Every year we was whooping Green Bay. I, my six years in Detroit, we probably had close to 500, if not better, record against Green Bay. Now, granted, they won the winner-take-all type of game in 2014, and then they won it again in 2016. So I'm not taking that away from those guys, but just – talking about the Lions versus Green Bay. We used to beat those guys. I don't think they had one year where they beat us twice. Not one. And I know we had a year where we beat them twice. Up there and and at home. So, but yeah, that's definitely a Green Bay type of attitude. And I can't get with it. I just can't get with it. No, I... I saw that. I saw you posted that, and I just I couldn't get behind it at all. It's just even your own teammates. There's not one DB on your team that you can heap praise on. I understand if you don't want to give compliments to others. I don't understand, but you can't even say that your teammate is a good teammate. I, right. I just don't get it. I, I don't either. I don't either. You mean tell me you're playing with the best players in the world, and none of the receivers are good or tough. And no other DBs that makes you look white. That is my personal opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. When you went against Devontae Adams in practice every day for years, uh, I'm pretty sure you got cooked a couple times. Just if I had to guess. Right. And now he sets himself up to where now, every time he get toasted this year, he's going to pull the clip up. Every time. And he he knows he's going to get toasted. It's not at the end of the world, bro. You play the NFL. You're gonna get got sometimes, bro. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things. And speaking of getting got and toasting people, it seems as though the Lions are completely dominating the first day of practice against the New York Giants. Obviously, they've got a couple more. Obviously, you see this from time to time. One team comes out strong, the other team comes out and punches back the next day. But the thing that excited me 
is that the Lions, they're soccer trotting all over the field against these Giants. They're chirping. They're getting physical. They're talking. They're celebrating. Now, that could change if the Giants punch them in the mouth tomorrow. But we talked about this plenty last year. The swagger, the confidence, the soccer trot. That just didn't happen with the Lions. This has to be a good start. Yeah, it, it is, you know, and, and I don't take anything away from joint practices and practices, meaning like, you know, winning is a culture, you know, it's a culture. So preseason games matter, not in the grand scheme of things as far as record, but you just want to build a culture of winning, period. You don't want to just accept losing. And practicing with another team, like, we're practicing. So we want to create a culture of swagger, of confidence, turnovers, physicality. Like, you're not going to come in our house and just disrespect us. Like, we want to create that culture. And it don't just happen on game day. You know, you have to build that each and every day. And I like it, you know. Um, that's fun part of, of practicing with other teams. And like you said, one team generally comes out, you know, generally the home team comes out okay. the first. Because the second team really probably don't, like the Giants really probably don't want to be there, you know, because it's training camp and they got to travel and then it's a joint practice. They've been in a hotel, had to get up. You know, everybody's schedule is different. So when you travel, you're kind of on the Lions schedule. So the Giants may do things different at practice or do it for different times. But now they're here, so they got to do it our way. They had to drive over on the bus and they're getting dressed in the indoor facility and all these different things you know what i'm saying so the giants probably are like oh bro i don't even want to be here then you get punched in the mouth and then they go back to the hotel and get chewed out and so then they'll probably show up today with a different attitude but that's why you see a lot of the fights happen on the second day okay because you know people don't they don't like it you know, so a lot of that stuff happens on the second day. You just done got tired of them talking too much or just been beating you the whole time and you're just tired of it. So you do something crazy and then the fight starts. So let's hope that don't happen. But I like what the lines are doing. Um, I like a couple of the highlights that I've seen. And um, they just got to keep it going. I'm actually going out there next week Ooh. For, for training camp couple practices so we'll be practicing jacksonville next week is it in jacksonville or in detroit in detroit oh that'll be fun how many days you going for two awesome two so so we'll get all the inside information from lions versus jaguars training camp hopefully they can carry some of this momentum hopefully they can keep putting on some highlight real plays Every day, it feels like there's an Amon Ross St. Brown highlight. Every day, feels like there's a Jameer Gibbs highlight. These are just the kinds of players that dominate these one-on-one -on -one settings. Am I right? The guys that are just shifty and quick, they're going to win when you give them a double move. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I saw Jameer Gibbs run right past a linebacker yesterday. And, you know, yeah. And I mean, that's like, that's cool to see, obviously. But that type of stuff, you know, that's one-on-ones in practice. You know what I'm saying? I like, you know, there's other players on the on the field. You know what I'm saying? You gotta catch the you gotta catch the Giants and zero coverage. Where there's nobody else back there for them to allow that linebacker to be matched up one on one with Jameer Gibbs like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um so for me, a lot of times I never really liked that from the offensive perspective. Meaning like it's one-on-ones. You know there's nobody back there. You know this linebacker can't run vertically with Jameer Gibbs. There's no defensive line, no offensive line in the way. Why even call that route for him to do that? Because the way he released, he kind of released, if you think about it, he kind of released straight through the line of scrimmage, bro. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like he bowled a little bit. Like, if he bowled a little bit, now he's basically getting outside of the line and running a vertical route. He kind of just released vertical like he's a wide receiver. Like, there's a whole O-line and D-line right there. You're not going to get free that clean like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why it'd be kind of unrealistic in one-on-ones. You see a lot of things, and they run a lot of routes in ways that they don't run them in the games. And so that's, you know, and I don't want to say like I'm going against the Lions. I'm just a defensive guy. I'm a defensive back. I've been on the other side of those those joint practice one-on-ones where these wide receivers and these DBs, I mean, these wide receivers and running backs are doing all this fugazi stuff and one-on-ones. Like I saw a route from Tyreek Hill uh, yesterday. Outside release, runs a go route, looks back like he's running a comeback route, stutters, and then runs a dig. And it's like, I think Robert Mathis commented and was like, that was like a six-second route, bro. Like, you don't have time to do that in the game. You know what I'm saying? But for joint practices and for social media highlights, it looks cool. So that's why you have the attitude from a lot of these players and things like that, because you run these bullcrap routes. When you get into team drills, you don't run that mess. You don't run it. Right, because you can't. You can't run it, but you run it in one on ones. Try to make us look bad, and then you got teams showing it on their their social media. I mean, I remember there was a time when like practice stuff was sacred. Things that happened in practice, you didn't put all that stuff out there. This is practice. Players used to get in trouble, get fined for releasing practice film or practice clips, or highlights. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember when Slay was going against, we was practicing against the Steelers, and Slay put out some clips of him and Antonio Brown or something like that. And there was a there was a problem, right? Really? Yeah, if I, if I remember correctly, because I think Antonio Brown had posted the one clip that he did go deep on Slay. And I think Slay came back and showed a lot of other stuff. Like, you want to show one clip, like, this is what really was happening. 
Um, and I could be a little off on that. I think that's how it went. But now the teams are showing it. And unless you're enjoying practices, you're showing it against your own team. You're showing Amon Ross St. Brown cook one of your own DBs. I don't get it. But it's all good. But in joint practices, you know, that's why things get heated. That's why things get heated. Because you get these running backs that are running routes like that, that linebacker freaking pulling his hammy, trying to run down the field with Jameer Gibbs. He don't want to do that. So then when they go to pass rush, and those line and those running backs have to block these linebackers. They're coming straight downhill, bull, bull rushing these guys. I'm just finna try to run you over and smack you for you having me run 40 yards and pulling my hammy. And then fights get started. That's why <laughs> we're seeing all the reasons why the fights get started. Some someone embarrasses you, so you gotta embarrass them back which starts a fight. We'll see if we get any of those today, but hopefully not. Hopefully we don't. Looking at some of the practices from the past couple days, though, we've had an interesting development. Brian Branch is starting to see more run with the starters. He is listed as the second string nickelback, but over the past two days, he has been rotating as the starting nickelback, which at times is uh, pushing CJ GJ to safety. And at times, Tracy Walker is spending time with the second defense more than he has throughout the start of training camp. And I know we're just trying to get looks across the board, all sorts of different people, but this has to say something about Brian branch impressing the team, right? Yeah. I mean, he's number what number is he? 32. Yeah. 32. Yeah. I think that, I think they posted a clip of him yesterday in one-on-ones Yeah, um, going against somebody and made it, made a nice play. Um, yeah, so that's, those are all good signs pointing to, Hey, this is a guy that we drafted high in the draft and he's playing well. They're going to give him opportunities to play. And like I said, the odd man out and some of those scenarios is going to be Tracy or Kirby Joseph, you know, Tracy yeah. or Kirby, because they just paid CJ GJ. So they're going to have him in there. Tracy's coming back off of injury. So they're probably going to bring him slowly. Um, Kirby had a good season last year, statistically. Um, but I'm sure there's some things that he did schematically giving up plays this this and that that they probably didn't like and brian branch is a young guy that's coming in and he's you know drafted by these guys drafted high by these guys and he's playing well so they're gonna give him opportunity and if it's at the nickel he's gonna be the nickel so then that's gonna mean that cj doesn't have to do that you know, Tracy was never really a nickel. You know, he can come down and play the dime for us, like playing over the tight end, but he's not a nickel. Kirby Joseph is probably not really a nickel. So when you think about it, it's probably with CJ and Brian. And if Brian can play it and then CJ can stay at safety, now we can get 
a bigger guy on the field as the nickel. So that's going to help us in run support. And if he can hold up in the pass game, it just makes us better. But then they may have a package where they do put CJ at the nickel and then they can get Tracy on the field. So it just all depends on what who they're playing and what they're trying to do. Um, but like I said, they're probably going to bring Tracy along slowly just because he did have an injury. And, you know, for this group, you know, Tracy has been injured. I don't want to say the majority of the time, but he's been injured a lot. He's had like little things um, where he's been, where he's been injured. And so they probably going to bring him along slowly and, and keep his, keep his, you know, wear and tear low and see how it just develops throughout the season. And it's a good problem to have, to have four safeties that are starting caliber. We talked about this last week that, it's a really good problem to have. And what I ultimately see them doing, kind of like you mentioned, different packages, different matchups. If you've got a really small, shifty corner slot receiver that you don't think Brian Branch can hang with, then maybe you kick it over to CJGJ, you put Tracy as the deep safety. Or if you've got a big physical slot receiver, almost like a tight end, got a Larry Fitzgerald type who's going to take your block off, that's when you put the larger guy in. And coming from Alabama, I'm pretty sure he knows a thing or two about uh, run lanes and defending the run. Yeah, I mean, and they'll be able to do that. And, and like I say, there's, there's so many ways things change throughout the course of a game. You know what I'm saying? Just... A lot of times it's based off of what the other team is doing, but sometimes you do things based off of what you want to do. You know, you want to give a different look. You want to impose a will on somebody. So you may do stuff differently. So, you know, you're not always reacting to what the other team is doing. Sometimes you want to force them to react to what you're doing because if they see, hey, man, they're going to play it like this. So we should probably play it like that. Right. Hey, every time we go this right here, they're bringing in this guy. Every time they go, they're bringing this guy. That may force them to say, okay, well, we we can't run the ball. So we got to throw the ball. So now you get them out of their game to where now they're throwing the ball on first and 10 as opposed to trying to run the ball on first and 10. Um, so it's a, it's a complete chess match all the way around. And, you know, having – Having multiple guys is good. It just you want to make sure you got it controlled to where it's not chaotic. And you want people to understand their roles and to accept their roles and try to excel in their roles. When you have that, it's a good thing. When you have four guys that could potentially be starters and all four of them want to be starters, and all four of them act like starters, meaning neither one of those guys want to play special teams. Neither one of those guys want to come off the field. Neither, like now we got problems because everybody can't play at the same time. No, no, you can't have. Well, rarely you can have four safeties on the field at the same time. <laughs> Very prevent situations. <laughs> and other than that, I don't, I don't know. Hail Mary. Yeah. 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 You can't have four starters on the field at the same it's time. Tough. That cannot be your defense. It's tough. You know, it's tough. And like I say, they know over the course of a season, somebody's 
going to get banged up at some point. So you had depth, but also from a money situation, they paid Tracy a couple years ago. So cap-wise, Tracy could have a decent number. So I wouldn't be surprised if those other guys develop and play well. I wouldn't be surprised if Tracy's a trade candidate towards the end of training camp. I wouldn't be surprised. And it would be unfortunate to see such a beloved member of the Lions go, but that's just the nature of the business sometimes. Yeah, that's just how it works. Nothing against Tracy. That's just just how it works. Exactly. And when you have a starting caliber safety that isn't going to be a starter for you, that's going to be safety number four. Sometimes you just have to make the right move. Sometimes you have to do right by the player. We saw the Baltimore Ravens try to do this with Chuck Clark to the Jets before he tore his ACL, which was unfortunate. But it's the idea of doing right by your players, sending them somewhere that they can start. And it's just all competition. And speaking of competition, the Lions brought in a new quarterback to compete not to be their starter, to, but to be their backup, a player that you are quite familiar with, if I'm not mistaken, Teddy Bridgewater, new quarterback <laughs> for the Lions. What do you think about that? You know what? Hey, man, I think uh, I think that's a good I think that's a good move. Um, you know, playing style wise, you know, he reminds me of a Jared Goff. You know, yep. he may not throw the ball. As accurate, I guess, but he reminds me personality wise, playing wise, he reminds me of a Jared Goff. But he's an older guy, he's a veteran, you know, and Jared's an older guy, he's a veteran. So I feel like they're kind of what and what, you know. So Jared's the guy, but if he goes down, I think, I think they can trust Bridgewater to kind of do the same thing. I don't think they asked Jared to do too much and I don't think they would ask Bridgewater to do too much I think they have the weapons around them to where you guys don't have to do much hand it off to Jameer throw it to Amon like we're not really asking you guys to go out and win the game we're asking you guys to control and not lose the game and I think Bridgewater can do probably the same thing that that Jared can do so I don't think Jared should feel like there's a competition for the starting job. Like, I don't think they're bringing Teddy Bridgewater in to be the starter. Um, But he could be a solid key backup for them throughout the season. And I view this in two different lights. Number one, they brought him in in free agency. They brought him in for another visit a couple months ago. It just didn't work out. They were confident in their backup quarterback, Nate Sudfeld. And then he strings together a couple bad practices in in a row where he's turning the ball over. And the Lions decide, hey, if Jared Goff goes down, if we have a four-game stretch where he's got an ankle or something, we can't have a quarterback throwing multiple interceptions per game, per practice, whatever it is. We need someone that's going to, even if they're only throwing one touchdown, they're not giving up that interception. And that's who Teddy Bridgewater is. He spent time with Dan Campbell. And the other thing this tells me is that there is no shot that Hendon Hooker plays this year they said it was going to be a red shirt year. I thought, ah, oh, maybe, you know, he'll get active towards the end of the season. Now I'm starting to think, nope, it's a complete red shirt. They're just going to let him rehab his ACL completely and then see what's up next year. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I think a lot of that depends on how things are going. You know, 
Yes, it's early right now. It's August. You know, if 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 he's recovering well and he's doing, you know, practice squad type stuff, and you get into December and he looks pretty healthy, still could probably be red shirt because now it's December. Like he hasn't played, but if it's dire need, if golf's down and Bridgewater's down, then you gotta go to somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they. I'm pretty sure that they're, they're, you know, I mean, they did it with Jameson Williams, you know, brought him along slowly. Um, so I would expect the same thing for, for Hooker. Um, and Bridgewater could potentially be a good mentor for a Hooker, right? Because – if they're if he's a backup quarterback and Scott, like he's gonna probably spend a lot of time talking to Teddy Bridgewater on the sidelines while Jared Goff is out getting reps and playing, like they're gonna spend a lot of time talking. So if he has questions, he's probably gonna ask Teddy Bridgewater because Jared's gonna be on the field, you know. So it could be a good move for the Lions, and you know him him taking that year off to rehab, but he'll also be learning. He'll be learning a lot. He'll be farther along uh, when he comes back than we probably would expect just because if he's a smart guy, if he loves and understands football, and having a year to just kind of sit back and watch and learn the system and learn the terminology and kind of do all those things, you know, it could benefit you when you come back because – Things move quickly. Things move quickly out there on the field. And having that just that year of mental, you know, reps could 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 benefit you. Yeah, it uh, it's not gonna hurt at the very least. Obviously, it's gonna be different once he gets into real live action. But for now that's all you can do is help bring him along the best you can with a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. This did upset Lions fandom though, because all the reporters were tweeting some just, they weren't being clear. They were just tweeting eyes emojis. People take that to mean the lions are trading for Chris Jones from the Kansas city chiefs or some other crazy move. And then the fans just get overhyped. And then Detroit lions media is like, why would you assume eyeballs means we're getting Chris Jones? No, you're, you're upset. We got a, good backup quarterback because you wanted Chris Jones. Lions fans oh, yeah. can be funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They are. They are cool though. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're funny because be they're, they're so excited. I understand the excitement of, Oh, well, we could be getting this guy, this guy, this guy, but then don't be disappointed when the team makes a solid move. Right. And that's, and that could be a super solid move. Like we said, like, it's the course of a season, man. All types of things happen. You know what I'm saying? So if you're right. If Jared goes down for two weeks, three weeks, you can't afford to go on a three-game losing streak like that. You know, so having somebody that you feel like can get you over the hump for two or three weeks is is key. And if they didn't feel like Nate Subfield was a the guy, then perfect for them to go ahead and make a move now early in training camp so he can get those reps, he can get those preseason games, he can get – you know, something on his belt so that, you know, 
I mean, when you think about it, when you're the backup, you're one play from being the starter. Literally, one play. And it don't even necessarily have to be a play. You're one stomach bug from being the starter. Jared shows up on Sunday and he got the flu. You're the starter. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're the backup, you're one anything almost away from being the starter. So, you got to be ready to go. If you're the Chargers, you're one punctured lung from the team doctor away from being named the starter with, like, Justin Herbert. Yeah. Crazy things can happen. Crazy. I've seen a lot of it. So, I mean, even me, I was a backup when I first got to Houston. I was a backup. And Jock Reeves, who the, the Texans had just paid, he had broke his leg during training camp, right? So he had missed the first couple of games of the season. And the season started. Our guys weren't playing great, you know, so they had benched a couple guys. And they told Jock Reeves, hey, man, if you can walk this week, you're back. You're starting for us, right? So Jock was coming back this week. Jock goes out the first day of practice this Wednesday. We're doing ball drills before practice or like at the like at the very beginning of practice. We're doing ball drills. And Jock wasn't known to have great hands. Jock goes to catch a ball and it literally goes off of his hand. And it breaks his pinky. Breaks his pinky. But it displaces. So the pinky punctures through the skin. Right? The pinky punctures through the skin. So now Jock has to go to the hospital. Get his hand fixed. Get it. He's in a cast. So now... Jock, who they had named the starter this week, like you're starting, bro, because secondary wasn't playing great. The guys that were starting, they weren't playing great. Jock, you're back in there. He breaks his pinky on Wednesday. So then guess what happens? All right, GQ, nobody's playing great. You got to start. And I started every game afterwards. So we're all one, one anything away from being the starter. He would want anything. I was one one pinky. Jock broke his pinky. He literally broke his pinky. And it led to me getting my first start. And then I went on to start 100 and something consecutive games. Well, 100 <laughs> something games. It's crazy. Insane. Absolutely insane. Just literally a pinky away from a becoming a starter. Yeah. Pinky away. And that's just how crazy the NFL is. Are you going to be looking for anything crazy when the Lions take on the Giants or when you're in training camp next week? What are the crazy things you're going to be looking for? Well, you know, I'm a DB, so I'm a, I want to be around the, the 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 DBs and the wide receivers. I want to see Jacksonville because Jacksonville has a pretty good wide receiver core. You know, Christian sure do. Perl, you know, they got Kevin Ridley. They got um was it Zay, Zay Jones, I think. Zay Jones, um, Evan Ingram. 
at yeah, tight end. Tight end. So they they got a, a pretty good a pretty good receiving core of guys. And then you got, you know, Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball. So I'll be interested to see how the line secondary hold up against those guys. And then Jacksonville's defense, they got a couple guys in the secondary that can make plays as well. So I'll be very interested to see how our DBs stack up against those guys. And then once you see all that stuff, and then it's more so like the team stuff, you know. I'm not really interested in the O-line versus the D-line from an individual standpoint. I'm not really interested in the running backs versus the linebackers from an individual standpoint. But when you come together as a team, can the O-line dominate Jacksonville's D-line to where you feel like we can run the ball on these guys, where you feel like we can pass protect our quarterback against these guys? And then can our D-line get pressure and dominate their O-line to where, hey, man, every time they hand the ball off, the running back was getting hit in the backfield. Hey, man, Trevor Lawrence didn't have time to make a lot of those throws because the D-line was getting there. Aiden Hutchinson was getting uh, tons of pressure on the quarterback or things like that. So that's kind of what I was look be looking for. How do the wide receivers and DBs match up in the one-on-ones? And I'm not too crazy about one-on-ones but more so seven on seven and things like that. How are we matching up and competing against another good offensive group and another good defensive group? And then what does it look like from a team standpoint? Who can control the line of scrimmage? And I think the Lions can do that in both regards. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to hear what you have to say after. And I'm excited to see who the energy bringers are this year. Last year, there wasn't enough energy bringers. Hopefully this year, there's some more. Maybe you maybe you strap on the pads and bring some energy too. Maybe. <laughs> I'm never going to stop against, suggesting. I'm never going to stop. record against Jacksonville. Played those guys a lot of times. I, twice a year in Houston. Twice a year. How many picks? Uh, Jacksonville. I didn't pick up Jacksonville any in Houston. And then in Detroit, we only played them once, maybe. And I forced a fumble against them. But I don't think I picked up Jacksonville. They didn't have any quarterbacks really that threw the ball. They did not for a lot of years. They did not. You know, so that, like I said, that's why I used to like playing the good quarterbacks because the good quarterbacks are going to throw the ball to their guys because they believe that they can throw the ball better than you can cover. Right. So Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, like those guys are going to throw it to who they want to throw the ball to because they feel like they can throw it to where the DB can't catch it. And most of the time they can but as a DB, you go into the game knowing I'm going to have an opportunity to make some plays because they're going to throw it. When you play against a lot of those young quarterbacks, a lot of times until they get confidence, they're probably not going to throw at somebody that they feel like is going to make interceptions. They're probably not going to push the ball down the field as much. You know, it's going to be a check down. They're going to throw it to the running back out the backfield. They're going to throw it to 
the the sidelines and try to hit the the curl routes and the screen passes and things like that. So you don't have as many opportunities to make plays from a deep safety standpoint. When you play against the good guys, the veterans, those guys are pushing the ball down the field. And so, you know, my time in Jacksonville, you know, when I was young, they had David Garrard who could push the ball down the field, but they were built out the running game. Maurice Jones drew you know, Fred Taylor, they were built off those guys. And, you know, so they didn't do, they, it was a lot of running against Jacksonville. And then when I got to he, Detroit, uh, I can't remember who they had at quarterback, Blaine Gabbert, maybe. Either um, him or Blake Bortles, but probably Gabbert. Like, it was Gabbert uh, first. Know, yeah, I, Gabbert was when I was in Houston still, I think. Bortles was when we played them in Detroit. They had Blake Bortles, but they still had the big running back. I think they had Chris Ivory at the running back. Um, and they didn't want to let Bortles uncork it too no. often. <laughs> so no interception against Jacksonville, but I did force a fumble against those guys. Big, 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 big turnover. So I'll be interested to see how things go next week. I can't wait to hear about it. I can't wait to get all the behind the scenes information. Glover, any final thoughts before we get you out of here? Man, we got Lions football coming up on um, Friday. I'll actually be doing a little broadcasting for that game. Um, So I think they're going to be doing it on their website, streaming it with like some – Kind of like a Manning cast type of situation, what they what they kind of call it. So I'll be on there. So if you're interested, tune in, check us out, and uh, we'll see how it go. Yeah, go check Glover out. That'll be on the Lions website. I think the Lions website. Awesome. Do you know who you're working with? Uh, Peter Schrager. Ooh. I think Peter Schrager. Oh, not Bringing in the big guns, Peter Schrager, Glover Quinn. That is going to be can't miss TV. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be a great game. It it, it was always going to be a great game. Now that we get to listen to Glover talk talk during it. That is going to be prime time television. I cannot wait. Glover, thank you so much. As always, it is always a pleasure. And everyone out there. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.